Brother Tim Lee. All right. Take your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 4. Thank you, Ryan and Van, so awesome tonight. And I was thinking, sitting on this front row during the testimonies and the young people leading us in worship, that I don't think I've ever been more proud to say that uh, my roots are from... uh, McLeansboro, Hamilton County, Southern Illinois, and uh, no no one loves uh, basketball basketball any more than I do or sports, but uh, to see a church filled, uh, overflowing on a cold in Texas, this is freezing cold weather. I mean, this is. We don't go to church during this weather. We call it an emergency. <laughs> and here we are tonight, worshiping God and lifting up the name of Jesus. He's been truly exalted here tonight. He's been honored uh, through these testimonies and through the singing and uh, the worship uh, here this evening. And uh, I, I am amazed. And uh, that uh, one man had a vision and a burden. And God takes things like that and gives him a dream and a vision, a burden. And if you had not minded God, Brian, then this this wouldn't have happened. God uses people. And he speaks to people. And he uses us to be his hands, to be his feet, to be the body of Christ. And uh, to help in this healing process, and uh, there, there are, uh, uh, I think it was Stacy that said that there's a lot of hurting people here tonight, and there are people hurting that I certainly don't know anything about. Pastor Jacob probably doesn't even know anything about, and maybe they put on a smile and they uh, pretend that everything's okay, but down deep inside they're hurting. And they're in pain. And I do not understand how the world uh, without Jesus can go through the things that they go through. I don't understand it at all because it's hard enough. But, but when, you, when you're a Christian, but when you have the family, the church family, God's family uh, uh, loving on you and encouraging you and praying for you and helping you and bringing those meals and doing those things. And uh, the world can do some things, but, but they're not like the body of Christ. And um, so we, Con uh, and I and our family, have experienced uh, uh, the, the tragedy of losing a teenage uh, granddaughter. And uh, there were times when when I didn't know that I was even going to be able to breathe the next breath, it hurt so much. And uh, I, I would think that I was okay one minute and uh, uh, I would be talking to a good friend and all of a sudden it would hit me and I couldn't talk anymore. I'd hang up the phone or just I didn't even get to say bye to, 
whoever I was talking to because they just take your breath. And, uh, but we were surrounded by uh, uh, family and friends and uh, people that loved, uh, loved on us in such a real and powerful way. And Allie's, my, my daughter Janice said many times, said, well, Dad, I'm always, I'm always worried that people will forget about Allie. I said, well, not as long as I'm alive and, and uh, tell, tell about Allie, because she was a special, special young lady. But uh, God uses tragedies uh, and, and, and through these testings come testimonies, as you already saw up here on the platform tonight. They're real. And they're meaningful. And um, so I, I want to encourage you just for a few moments tonight. Let me, let me read these verses in 1 Peter chapter number 4. And, and beginning at verse number 12. Beloved, think it not strange. You've been sitting for a little while. Why don't you stand as I read God's word tonight? Those of you that are able to. And, um, brother, would you give that to my wife for me, please? She's, thank you. And uh, take care of you, babe. Verse number 12, here we go. Are you ready? Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice. And uh, it's talking about a fiery trial. I would say that would be a pretty serious trial. And then the very next words he says, but rejoice. And as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. God laid this scripture on me several days ago, and but you've already heard this talked about right here tonight. Let's read that verse again, verse 13. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of, God's, of, and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Verse 16, but if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Father, thank you for your presence that is so real and obvious in this room here tonight. Lord, you've already made your presence so, so powerful and so known through the testimony and the thing. It helped me to be an encouragement and a blessing in these next few moments, especially to those who may be hurting 
and in pain. And then, Lord, for those that may not know Jesus, they've never been born again. Their life has never, ever been changed by the power of God. Lord, may this be the greatest day of their entire life, the night that they say yes to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. We'll give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, and amen. You may be seated. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try. It doesn't say that it may or that it could. It says that it will. Every one of us, every single last one of us will go through trials in our lives. You say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm the exception. I've never gone through a trial. You will. Just hang on because you will. And according to this scripture that I read tonight, we should expect these trials to come. We should know that they're going to come. As a Christian, we should not be shocked. We should not be surprised. Because God's already told us in his word that they are going to come. And here's what's going to happen. When trials come, you're either going to see what we've already seen here tonight in the last uh, two and a half months since November the 9th, you're going to see people draw closer to God or you're going to see people turn away from God. There's really no middle road for a Christian when the trials come. People either get bitter, they get angry, they get mad, and they turn their back on God. They leave the church. They quit their prayer life. They, they get mad. Or they draw closer to God. God says if we will draw nigh unto him, that he would draw nigh unto us. And there's no better time to draw nigh unto God than when you are coming into a storm. I'll just tell you this, that Daniel did not learn how to pray in the lion's den. Daniel was praying before he got to the lion's den. So it would be a great thing if you're already trusting God and leaning on God and close to God. So when that trial does come, you know who to turn to. And you know who to trust. But people either get to the place where they deny the Lord or they decide that I'm going to stand in the middle of the storm. I'm going to trust God in the middle of the storm. I'm going to honor God with my life. In the book of Daniel, I spoke this morning in Mount Vernon about the subject of commitment. And I used those three Hebrew children in the middle of a burning fiery furnace, a literal fiery furnace. The odds of you and I going through a literal fiery furnace is probably non-existent. Almost non-existent. But they went through a literal fiery furnace, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And you talk about your faith being put to the test. Their faith was challenged in Daniel chapter 
Number three, this King Nebuchadnezzar had a bunch of yes-men surrounding him and they've been telling him how great and how wonderful he was and he actually began to believe them. I tell college students often that there's nothing wrong with people saying nice things about you. The problem is when you start to believe them. and You really begin to think you're somebody. You really begin to believe that maybe God couldn't even get along without you. Hey, I got news for you. God was getting along without you before you got here, and he will be getting along without you when you're dead and gone. He wants to use us, but we have to make ourselves usable. And so here they are with King Nebuchadnezzar, this, this, this king that's got an ego bigger than the Empire State Building, they build a statue and it's maybe 90 foot tall and it's maybe 9 foot wide at the base and it's made out of gold. Well, hey, that's impressive. If we read tomorrow that someone in Hamlin County had built a statue 90 feet tall and 9 foot wide and it was made out of gold, I would dare say that most, if not all of us, before the sun went down tomorrow night, we'd drive by to take a look at it. I'm not saying you're going to worship it. I'm just saying human interest would say, I've got to see this thing. A 90-foot-tall statue made out of gold. But for this king and his minions, it was an act of intimidation. It was a fact that... Uh, that he wanted to intimidate people. And who does he invite to this big party? The governors, the sheriffs, the treasurers, the counselors, all of the rulers of the province are going to be there and they're going to bow down. They're going to worship the king. They're going to worship his golden image. This is the ultimate in intimidation. The big shots are going to come and the big shots are going to bow. Who am I not to bow? Well, first of all, there are no big shots in the kingdom of God. There are no little shots in the kingdom of God. You know what a big shot is? A big shot is a little shot away from home. But these, the day comes for this big celebration and Everyone is bound and everyone is worshiping. Get the picture in your mind. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people on their face before the statue and before the king and the musical instruments are being played and they're worshiping a, a dead statue. They're worshiping a king, but there are three that day who didn't bow. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, young people, the day is coming if we don't see revival in America and we don't and, and the Lord doesn't come soon we may see persecution toward the Christian church like in America like we have never seen before this is not the time the time to be weak this is not the time to be backing up this is not the time to be apologizing this is the time to be strong this is the time to be courageous this is the time to stand. This is the time to be who and what God intended for you and I to be. And that is to be the salt and the light of this generation. To point this old dark world to Jesus Christ and to tell them the good news. It's not the time to be bound to the world. 
to the gods of this world, to the statues of this world. It's a time to be strong. These three Hebrew children were tempted to compromise. They were given a chance to change their mind later on when they didn't bow the first time. And if you think the devil's going to leave you alone because you come to an altar and you make a commitment to God and you win a great victory in your life, if you think the devil's going to back up and leave you alone, you're wrong, friend. He may not come back at you at that angle, but he's coming back at you again and again and again. The devil don't quit. And he doesn't play fair. The devil's a liar. The devil's a cheat, and he doesn't play fair. You have to understand all this up front. This is a part of the Christian life. You have to understand, it's not easy. The Bible doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that the Christian life is an easy life. He says, take up your cross and follow me. It's not an easy life. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. It's not easy. And it takes commitment. It takes you coming to the place in your life to say that he is first. He matters most. And, and the Bible says, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. There's nothing wrong with you having things until those things come between you and God. When things come between us and God, then, then it starts to get messy. There starts to be problems, starts to be troubles. That's why we have to keep it hot. We have to keep on fire for God. We have to stay close to the Lord. We have to keep a short account of our sins. And we need to be willing to, to be called out uh, on our sins. We need to be willing to repent. We're talking about this thing tonight is, is revival and restoration. We need revival. But the way revival starts is when God's people, not the world, not the politicians, not the lost people, but when God's people repent of their sin, when we repent, God can't use us until we repent. We want revival. We want res restoration. We have to be willing to repent. And I'm telling you, there's no better time for God's people to get right with God than right now. We need revival in the worst way. We look for the world to solve our problems. We look for government to solve our problems. The problems we're facing today won't be solved by the government. I, 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 I don't care who's in the White House. No matter whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, they're not going to save America. I believe you ought to be registered to vote, and I believe you ought to vote. Don't tell me how much you love America if you won't. You say, I don't always know who to vote for. See me out in the lobby. I'll help you with that. <laughs> but that's not going to save America. Revival doesn't come through the White House. Revival comes through and to God's people. And so they, are, they were tempted to compromise, to change their minds, just bow this one time. Just do it one time. Young people, that's one of the biggest lies the devil's ever told. Just do it one time. Another lie, young people, is everybody's doing it. I used to tell my mom and dad that when I was a teenager. That's a real old one. I'd say, well, I, I want to do something, though. You can't do that. 
I said, well, everybody's doing it. They say, son, everybody's not doing it. I said, well, just tell me one that's not doing it. They said, you're not doing it. The devil doesn't quit. He says just this one time, but we are to honor God. As Moses did. As Stephen did. As Joseph did. When they were faced with temptations and trials, they honored God with their lives. Stephen unto death. Stoned to death because of his faith. And his love for God and the Lord Jesus Christ. How did they overcome? First of all, they were confidently submitted to God's will for their life. They realized the power of God. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, they said, our God is able. Isn't that a good thing to trust right there. Our God is able. They say in this to the king, three young men, three teenage boys, and they're looking the king in the eye, and they said, our God, I like that. You ought to underline that. I believe it's verse number 17 of Daniel chapter 3. They said, our God, not your God, king. You know what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that day that all those other thousands of people didn't realize? God had said that you are to have no other God before the true and the living God. They knew that, and they believed it, and they stood for it, even if it was going to cost them their lives. Wow. They believed in the power of God. They also believed in the purpose of God. They said to the king, he's able to deliver us. And then they said, but if not, you say, well, Tim, was that a lack of faith on their part? I, I don't think so. I think they're facing reality. I think they're saying, our God is able to deliver us, King, but even if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow to your God. Folks, that's commitment. That's drawing a line in the sand. And that's saying, I'm going to go with God. No playing church, no playing games. I'm going to go with God. Lock, stock, and barrel. I'm going to go with God. That's what some of you ought to say tonight, right here in this service. You ought to say, I don't care what my friends think. I don't care what my family says. I don't care what the world says. I'm going to go with God. Jesus was constantly telling people, follow me. They would, they would give up their, their fishing boats. And they would turn around, drop everything, and they would follow Jesus. It cost them. Many of them died horrible deaths, martyr deaths. Got their heads chopped off, hung upside down on a cross. It's not easy being this kind of a Christian, making this kind of a decision to live for God, no matter what the world says. I'm going to go with God. We don't understand Sometimes why horrible things happen, we don't get it. But we also understand that we're going to trust God. No matter the cost, no matter the price, we're going to trust God to do God's will. And there, in the midst of their hardest trial of their whole life, they're thrown into a fiery furnace. They're thrown in a life. 
furnace that's heated seven times hotter than it ever been heated before. And there, in that fire, they were not alone. Through all that this mission team went through, they were never alone. The king gets up, he goes over, and he looks into the furnace. The Bible says he was astonished. <laughs> I'll bet he was. And he turns around to his people, and he said, didn't we just throw three in? Yes, sir, boss. We just threw three. He said, there's not three. There's four. And the fourth is the image of the Son of God. How would he ever know what Jesus looked like? If you ever see him face to face, there won't anyone have to tell you who he is. You'll know who he is. And they're in the deepest, darkest trial of their life. And who's with them? None other than the Lord himself. in the deepest, darkest trials of our life, he'll be there. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. He'll always be there for you. At Allie's graveside service, Janet Steve's pastor brought a short and brief message he told the story that day of a friend of his had given him his mother's journal. And Brian, Pastor Brian, didn't understand why this guy, he's a close friend, but he still didn't understand why he was giving him his mother's journals. And then one day in his office, he saw the journal and he just picked it up and he began to go through it. And in her journal, late in her life, she had cancer. It was a bad cancer. It's no good cancer, but it's a horrible cancer. And she was suffering. And, but she would write in her journal, a new day. And then she, the next day, she would write again, a new day. And... He couldn't fully understand it. And then she got to the place where she's so weak she couldn't even write all that. She'd just write something like mercies, just mercies for another hour, God's mercies. And then he realized what she was doing and she was talking about the new mercies of God from Lamentations chapter 3 when God's new mercy come every day. When pastor said that at the graveside, I didn't fully grasp all of what was being said. But then, as the days got longer, as families went back to their homes and people went back to work and things, and we were still grieving and still hurting so much, I understood. There were days when we couldn't wait for midnight to come because we knew that God's mercies were new every day. And we can lean on him and we can trust him.
And he provided those new mercies for us. You know God doesn't love Tim Lee and his family more than he loves you. He loves you tonight. You're hurting, you're in pain. And things going on in your life, as a young person said, the, the precious lady that spoke early on in the service who lost her father, hurting, pain, and suffering. You may be going through a trial that no one else knows about. But God does. God cares for you. God loves you. Can I tell you real quickly how much God loves you tonight? He loves you so much that he gave his only son to die for you. I love you tonight, but I don't love you enough to give my son to die for you. Call me selfish or whatever. I might give my life if the circumstances presented itself, but I'm not willing to give my son to die for you. But God loved you so much that he gave his only son. He came to this earth, the Bible says, to seek and to save that which was lost. That was the primary reason why he left heaven. He came to this earth, born of a virgin, lived here for nearly 33 sinless, spotless years. He did no wrong. And then one day he walks up Calvary's hill willingly, lays down his life. He laid down his life. He said, no man taketh my life. He said, I lay it down and I will take it up again. He laid down his life, hung on an old rugged cross, suffering and bleeding and dying for you, for me. There's been a lot of religious leaders that lived and died, and some of them died horrible deaths, martyr deaths, but they never did what Jesus did. You see, Jesus didn't stay dead. Three days later, he got up from the grave victorious over sin, death, and hell, and tonight God's Son is alive, and he wants to come and live in your life. How, Tim? How does that happen? How does God's Son come and live in my life? You come to this place. Not necessarily this geographical location of Ten Mile Baptist Church, but this moment, this time, this place in your life to understand that you're a sinner. The Bible says so, people. God says we're all sinners. We've all sinned. I've sinned. My wife sinned. Pastor Jacob sinned. We've all sinned. Every single one of us. Well, Tim, I'm not such a bad person. I hate to bust your bubble. That's not what God says. God says you're a sinner. God says that all of our righteousness, all of our goodness are as filthy rags in the sight of this holy God. It's our sin that separates us from God. It's our sin that keeps us from having a right relationship with God. And it is our sin that would separate us for all of eternity in a horrible place called hell. Except for the fact that price was paid for our sins. God's only son paid for our sins. That's how much God loves you tonight. And tonight, if you're willing to repent of your sin and turn to Jesus, the very moment that you, by faith, say yes to Jesus, you become God's child forever.
This could be the greatest day of your entire life if you say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. If you're saved, but you've gotten away from God, you've allowed things to come between you and God, you don't have that victory the way that you used to have it and that joy the way that you used to have it, that joy can be restored to you tonight. You coming back to the Lord. He's waiting with arms outstretched, full of love, full of grace, and full of mercy. If you'll come back to him tonight, you can have a right relationship. You can leave here tonight right with God. I want you to bow your heads this evening. I'm going to ask that no one move, no one leaving unless it's an emergency. If it's an emergency, we certainly understand. But I want to ask you something tonight. I want you to be honest. I want you to be real. How many would say tonight, Tim, don't raise your hand yet. Just being honest, think about this, what I'm asking you. How many would say tonight, Tim, I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I were to die in the next three minutes in this seat where I'm at, if my heart was to stop beating, EMT was to come in this room and officially pronounce me dead, I know that I would go to heaven. Tim, I've been saved. I remember the day when I realized I was a sinner and I repented of my sin and received Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. I'm saved. And I'm not the least bit ashamed. No one looking. Let me see your hand tonight as a way of testimony. Wow. Wow. Awesome. You can take it down. What a beautiful sight. Christian friend, don't ever be ashamed or embarrassed for a preacher to ask you that question and for you to give testimony. There were some who could not raise your hand. And I want to tell you right now that I appreciate you being honest. You could have put your hand up when everyone else did. I wouldn't have known the difference, but you would have, and God would have. And in just a few moments, I want you to let me pray for you. But before I do that, I want to speak to all those that raised your hands. Two things tonight. First of all, how many would say, Tim, I know I'm saved. I know I'm a Christian, but I also know there's some things in my own life that are not right with God. There's some things in my own life the Lord is not pleased with. And I don't want to run from God. I don't want to rebel against God. I want things right between me and God. Tim, pray for me tonight that I can have these things right between me and the Lord. Let me see your hands tonight. Hold them up high. Hands raised everywhere. Scores and scores and scores of hands. You can take them down in a few moments. We're going to sing one verse of invitation. If I could have someone come to the keyboard and someone come and be ready to sing in a moment, we're going to have one verse of invitation, maybe two, but that would be all. And I'm going to ask every one of you that just now raised your hand when we sing, not yet, but when we sing, to leave your seat and to go to the nearest aisle. And then I want you to come as close as you can to the front here. I want you to stand facing me. We're going to pray together tonight. God is going to do something in your life here this evening. If you're afraid to come to yourself, ask someone to come with you. They'll do it. But you come tonight. You'll never regret it. I'm speaking to Christians again. How many would say, Tim, I'm going through a trial. I'm in the middle of a trial in my own life. And I know that I need help. 
and I, I'm struggling. It, it's hurting and it's painful. And I want, I need prayer. And I don't want to get bitter. And I don't want to turn away from God. Pray for me tonight, Tim, that I can have peace with God in the midst of the storm in this trial that I'm going through. Let me see your hands tonight. Just slip them up high. Wow. You can take them down. I want to encourage you tonight to come and stand here as well. We're going to pray together. And this will be a great starting time of healing in your own life, in your own heart. Now, right before I have you stand, right before we sing, the most important question, where will you spend eternity? If you were to die right now, where would you spend eternity? Friend, there's only two choices. You're going to spend eternity with God in this awesome beautiful place called heaven or you will spend eternity separated from God in a horrible place called hell. It all depends upon what you do with Jesus. I won't embarrass you tonight. I would never do that. But do you care enough about yourself and where you will spend eternity to let this evangelist pray for you tonight? No one's looking but me and God. How many would say, Tim, the truth of the matter is I am not 100% for sure if I were to die right now that I would go to heaven. I could not raise my hand a while ago when all those other people raised theirs. Or, or I did raise it, but the truth of the matter is I'm still not 100% for sure if I were to die that I would go to heaven and I certainly don't want to go to hell. And Tim, I want you to include me in that prayer. No one looking, Tim, include me. Let me see your hand tonight. Hold it up for a moment. There's you and 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 you in the balcony. Are, are there others? You can take them down. You don't have to keep them up. Wow. Are there others? Quietly and rather, dad, mom, teenager, young person, young adult, anyone else? You can take them down, those of you that raise your hand. God may have designed this whole service tonight for you, for you. It's how much he loves you and how much he cares for you. There's going to be a lot of people coming to stand here tonight, Christians. I'm asking you to set the example. I'm asking you to be the first from your row. And if you come, it'll help lost people to come to Jesus. Remember, one verse, maybe two, from the balcony, it'll take you a little longer. From the back, we'll wait. But as soon as I have you stand, you need to leave your seat and come as quickly as you can and come as close as you can to me right here at the front. It'll be crowded, but we'll make room for you. You do tonight what God wants you to do. You'll never regret it. You'll never be sorry.